Good evening, Sportzonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Agliolo. I am your host. This is Sportzone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. And, of course, we are rebroadcast, redistributed through all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for joining us no matter how you join us, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. As always, thank you for being with us here tonight or tomorrow, whenever you're listening to us. It's okay. Just thank you for being here. We got a good show for you tonight. We will be joined by Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler in a matter of moments here. More than likely, we will we'll be getting uh, drop-in appearances by Larry Schmelrose and Cousin David at some point tonight because we do have a lot to talk about tonight. Of course, the Mets did something dumb two days ago, and it was a great victory earlier today, but we're going to talk about that something dumb that the Mets wound up doing today because, of course, it wouldn't be Mets season without 30 fucking dumb things in a row, and we had a really stupid thing happen on Sunday. So we'll talk about that, but the main story of tonight is going to be that we continue our 2021-2022 preview of the NFL season, and we are going to the AFC and NFC Eastern divisions, so we will be spending a lot of time looking at them, and, of course, the big news today was that Cam Newton has been released by the New England Patriots. Mac Jones is the first week starter. So like I said, we will be spending the bulk of tonight's show on the AFC and NFC East. And with that, Dave Hastings is here tonight. Dave, how you doing? Doing good, Mike. Doing good. How about yourself? Well, I'm better now. I'm better now. Yesterday I was in rough shape, let me tell you, to quote Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> Well, I'm ha- I'm happy to hear you're better now. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely a, a good thing to be told. I'm curious. I am curious. You you have said on many of occasion you are not a baseball fan. Uh, were you paying attention to what happened in Mets world over the last couple of days? Uh, paying attention might be an over exaggeration, but I am okay. well aware of what's. Um, been taking place and the uh for lack of a better phrase growing beef between uh the Mets players and Mets fans mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I heard about the apology that I think it was Lindor had today mm-hmm. so yeah I'm uh I'm aware of what is taking place Okay. Well, here's the deal. I want you to know, last night, me and Cousin David spent 45 minutes talking about this because I didn't want to spend 45 minutes talking about this on the show. I felt like I would spare you guys from having to spend 45 minutes on this particular issue. So I spent the 45 minutes with Cousin David last night. I thought it was very selfless of me. I thank myself for doing that. I'm sure you're very appreciative that I did that, too. Um but you're the you're like honestly I'm I I said I said when we did it last night Eric dumpster fire dumpster fire it's coming back I know I'm gonna have to hear it thank God the Mets won today because I'm sure you you get this uh, winning forgives everything if the Mets go on a ten game winning streak this is a minor blip on the radar and nobody gives a fuck but you're you're the one I wanted to hear from this on the most because all right. 
Baez and Lindor and the players giving the thumbs down to the fans. It's Baez, uh, I'll give you the direct quote here because it's one of the dumbest quotes I've ever heard in my entire life. Well, the fans boo us when we do bad, so when we do good, we're going to we're going to boo the fans. And my re- immediate response was that's not how that works. That's not how sports works. That's not how being a fan of sports works. To put it in other terms for you, uh, and I, I quote, um, I have to give credit to Boomer and Geo. Um, it was Sal Licata and Jerry Recco filling in for them yesterday morning, and I was driving into work. They played the audio clip, clip and I never would have associated this audio clip with this particular situation. If I did not hear this, I must give them the proper credit. To quote Mayor Lenny from Ghostbusters 2, being miserable and treating people like dirt is every New Yorker's God-given right. So the idea that you're going to get back at the fans by booing them uh, when you, you're successful, that makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Um, this is kind of part of a broader issue, though, and I thought Gary Cohen articulated it perfectly during the Mets broadcast earlier today, that because we live in the day of social media and because we live in a time where there is more positive reinforcement being emphasized on the part of the managers. You live in a world where the players don't always are able to tell the difference between uh, ridiculous ridicule from crazy fans and articulated constructive criticism. And it kind of reached the boiling point with what happened on Sunday. So I want your thoughts. You know, you've heard about this. What did you think when you heard about this? Um, I kind of got to reiterate some of your statements of the fact that it was literally one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, to say you're giving the thumbs down because the fans are booing you, so if you do well, you want to send a message to them. Well, what message are you actually sending? Uh, yeah. Like, oh, we don't need your support? Well, I hate to break it to you. Yeah, you do. Yeah, because absolutely. If, if the fans don't show up to games and the t- and and the fans don't watch games, guess whose pocket that's going to affect? Yep. Who, whose life that's going to make more difficult? Mm-hmm. So to sit there and say, uh, you know, oh, we're sending a message to them. Like, are you though? Are Are you really? Mm-hmm. Or are you just being kind of ignorant and blind to the reality of your situation? Mm-hmm. And the situation. I'm sorry, Dave. I I just want to say one thing. The situation is your team has lost like 11 of 13 games and you kind of suck right now. Sorry. Yeah. And it's just like if you're in any other job, they've had 11 out of 13 days. You don't do your job. Guess what? Instead of being booed, your manager is going to sit you down. And if you're lucky, you get a verbal warning. Yeah. Yeah. If you're lucky. Most people are kicked to the curb and don't have a job anymore. So I, I get I, – look, I'm not trying to say I don't get where the players are coming from. I'm sure, sure it sucks to hear a stadium full of people boo you, probably get nasty text or uh, social media messages and a whole bunch of stuff that you don't need to deal with and no normal human being has to deal with. But guess what? You're not normal. You're, you're just not. You, you play a game that most human beings are unable to play at a successful level. You make millions of dollars to play a game. 
So mm-hmm. you have to take the good with the bad and the bad with the good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it's absurd. I think the players sound like idiots. And, and when it's all said and done, it's one of those things that you just kind of shake your head. Like I, when they said they put their thumbs down as a message to the fans, like I just laughed and shook my head. Like, I, you got to be kidding me. That's retarded. Yeah, it's um, I'm very curious to see how this is going to go because he's here tonight. I, I think I know where this is going, but Eric Tressler is here tonight. Eric, how you doing? Um, I'm all right. You're all right? That's good. Yeah. yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get that. There. Could be better, okay. could be worse. Could be better, could be worse. It'll be better next Tuesday. I'll be calling you guys from a, from a remote uh, location. So it'll be better next Tuesday. Oh, nice. That that sounds like that can go in a bunch of different directions there. There's some jokes baked into that, but yeah. All right. Anyway, no, Eric, I'm sure you've been dying to chime in on this particular situation. I do want to point out a couple things. Eric, uh, I, I did spend 45 minutes talking about this last night, so I don't really have a lot. I feel the need to chime in. Uh, I will say, though, given this whole situation, and you know what the hell we're talking about right now, so I don't really have to give you a preamble for it. Um, it, winning forgives everything. All anybody wants is to see the Mets do well, except for you, because you're a Yankee fan. So, you know, you have no vested interest. You got no dog in this fight. But that's not true, though, because I, I, I don't actively root against the Mets. Oh, I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying at the end of the day, you may not wish harm on the Mets, but you don't really have a dog in the fight. You know what I'm saying? You, you look at it mm-hmm. as from an onlooker. It's not that you want the Mets to do badly. You, you're like me with the Yankees. I'm indifferent to whatever they do. I feel but like see, that. No, no, I actually okay. feel like maybe we've never gotten my full Mets feelings out. But I mean, like, I don't like the Mets. Like, I don't root for the Mets. They're not my team. I'm a Yankee fan. But at the same time, I do have friends that are Mets fans. I do have other people, and the Mets play in a completely different like league. So it's yes. like you know, yes, there aren't you know shy of the Subway Series. You know, I got to be honest, like, I don't have a mortal enemy in the Mets. I feel like it's that. That is well said. That little brother mentality that Mets fans have that they kind of like hate the Yankees, you know, but the Yankees fans, I don't feel like there's more that feel like I do where there's not that much animosity towards the Mets. And honestly, I'd like to see you be happy for once. I'd like to see my buddy Carl be happy for once. If the Yankees couldn't be happy, now granted, thank you for that. Make it to the World Series. I'm, I'd love to smash it like we did in 2000. But I mean, uh, that's, that's not that's neither here. That, that's not neither here nor there. I'm just saying that, like you know, I don't actively take you know uh, joy in you know watching my friends be upset with their beams, you know. So it's like mm-hmm. I, I don't hate mm-hmm. them as much, like. Where the no. Cowboys have a little more hatred for because at least they're an in-division team. They're, you know, they mean that, that you know, it's, it's a little different. You know, things with Boston a little different. Things with, you know, there, there are other teams out there that I genuinely dislike and dislike. Pretty much any Philly sports fan I dislike, you know, for the most part. For the most part, I will say very few sport, Philly sports fans can you sit down and have an actual sports conversation with without it divulging into, like, nonsense. Like, I, I got to be honest. I'm not a fan of many Philly fans. Hey, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Can I say it like this? I think you'll agree with me. What's the best things that come in, came out of Philadelphia sports-wise? The Rocky movies and Allen Iverson. That's about it. And I have Probably. to say Allen Iverson because my mother loves Allen Iverson, so I'm obligated. Uh, 
practice? I mean, that, that was funny. But anyway, <laughs> uh, to, to bring us back full circle and talk Yeah, about let's hear your down. thoughts. Let's hear your thoughts. I, you I you see this go down. My biggest problem is the fact that these guys are stupid enough to come out and say the reason they were doing it. They could have given any reason. They could have turned it around and said, oh, yeah, we were giving the thumbs down because we think we suck lately or whatever. They could have mm-hmm. said any number of things. It was the fact that he came out and was like, yeah, we pretty much did it as a screw you to the fans. That that's where the real issue comes in. Right on. This is a story at all. I don't think this is anything at all. If it is not for the fact that they came out and said that. Like, I how agree. Stupid, how stupid can you be? And you can come out and apologize days later. But I got to be honest, still stupid. And still yes. doesn't really take back what you said. So, I mean, mm. I really don't have much for, like, love for him there. I got to be well, honest. Me... Like, I'm more on the side of, like, listen, winning cures things. You want to turn things around, you start winning ball games, And then, you know what? The fans are going to come back. Everybody will come back. Listen, the fans... That's part of it. You, you're gonna you're gonna get booed. Everybody gets booed if you go. You know if you're in the uh, you know how many times has Stanton got booed or even Judge or whatever when they're going through slumps. It's just a part of of New York fandom in the media in New York. Yes, they, they yes. Are more on those negative things. They want winners. They want champions. And when they don't get it, unfortunately, sometimes they they do boo. But I am under the complete thing that if as long as you're not yelling obscenities and throwing things on the field. And acting like a complete jackass, you know, and you're just sitting there booing because the guy's production sucks and he just went over four with three strikeouts. I can't blame you for booing. You should yeah. boo that guy. It's completely like that's that's a part of being a fan is the cheering and the booing. Right on. When your team's not doing well. So the fact that like you're gonna come out and pretty much say screw you fans for not getting behind us, to me, that's a small city mentality. And I know that's where bias comes from. I know that's where Lindor is coming from in Cleveland. They're they're more of a small market as far as like media presence, stuff like that, where they don't they're not as harsh on. They're they're just mm-hmm. not as New York media. And New York media is the harshest media out there. And they really they're one of the harshest fan bases. Where the Cubs for the longest time they never had a winner. So then of course they're cheering everybody because they finally got one. One in a hundred years is amazing for them. Like, you know, you're not, you're on cloud nine out there. You know, they were, Cubs weren't going to boo Baez, but he's going to come to New York and he's going to suck it up. He's going to hear some boos. I'm sorry. It's a part of the game. So I don't have much love for Baez or, or Lindor, the way they really treated the situation. I don't think the um, apology they gave was really sincere in any way. But again, winning cures everything. So if they go on a 10 game win streak, all of this will be like, oh, look. This is the point of season where they turn it around, you know, and everybody will turn that into a rallying point. Listen, and may, maybe that's what happens. Maybe it's not. But that's really the only thing that's going to come out of this at this point, you know, is can they turn this into something that's going to be productive? Or are they going to go into the offseason with everybody thinking after Lindor just signed this giant contract that he's a jackass and nobody will really want bias back? So I, mm. I don't know. I don't see much upside for what they did uh, as far as how it plays out. It, it's, yeah. you know, it all, it's all going to depend on if they win. Winning cures everything. I totally agree with you on that statement. I, I only have two things to say. Uh, I did find Lindor's apology to be, be sincere. Um, maybe I'm being naive, but I still want to believe in the guy because he's flat out admitted he sucked offensively but defensively i feel like we got what we thought we were going to get leadership wise yeah this whole situation doesn't exactly put him in a good light in terms of being a leader 
but I feel like the fact that he admitted to what he did was wrong. I want to think that was a sincere apology. Apology, excuse me. And listen, we're we're two hours airing now after the Mets just came from behind. They were down five to one heading into the ninth inning. They scored five runs in the bottom of the ninth inning, and Baez scored the winning run. If they turn this into an eleven-game winning streak and go into that Yankee series that starts on September 10th, over 500, battling for the division. Nobody's going to give a fuck about this. Eric, I totally agree. I said it before you came on. Winning forgives everything. That is all that matters here. Now, the other thing that's funny about this story, though, is the fact that apparently sliding into home, Baez lost an earring, a diamond earring. But apparently he really liked and really wanted. So everybody, including the coaching staff. Yeah, I heard about that. Sandy Alderson, the grounds crew were all out there combing the grasses and combing it, combing the, the dirt, looking for this diamond. I have not heard it turn up yet. But apparently there is a diamond in the rough somewhere hidden now in Mets Field. I, I got to be honest, I couldn't care less about his diamond. I mean, for his sake, I hope he finds it and everything. But, you know, I, he, he before today's game, he was sitting 210. So it's not exactly like it was a lucky diamond or anything. Dave, no, but I'm, I just, I, oh. no, but what I find funny, though, is that you should be talking about the huge rallying cry win. But like I said, like I messaged you guys and went on my way home from work. All anybody was talking about was not the great come from behind Met win. That's all I was talking about. Is the fact that Sandy Alderson's out there on his hands and knees combing the grass looking for this diamond. Like that's uh, like that that like they they can't even win right though. That's that's my thing. It's like if you win, have it be about the winning. Why the fact that Baez even made it a thing and it had to get out there and all these people are searching for this diamond, obviously it's important to him if the story's getting out there. I don't think the story would have got. I don't think Sandy Alderson's out there on his hands and knees if Javi Baez didn't give a shit about this diamond. So that's why, to me, like it's it's a weird, awkward story coming out of what should be a really big and nice win for the Mets. I don't know. Well, Dave, uh, you got any thoughts about that weird? Well, I, I just I just want to say you are talking to a guy who watched the replay of him sliding into home plate ten times. So I got to be Listen, honest. That's all I care about. We know, we know who you are, Mike. We Thank you. you. Thank you. I just want to say that. Yes, Dave, go ahead. Oh, Dave. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I think uh, Eric kind of brings up an interesting point that the focal point after that win seems to be an earring. Um, <laughs> but when it's all said and done, I think we've all said it enough at this point. Like, you want to make it a rallying cry? All right, awesome. Make it a rallying cry. Go on a run. Other than that, it, it's probably one of the stupidest stories I've ever seen happen for an NFL team or uh, an MLB team. Sorry. NFL's coming up next. Yes. As a matter of fact, that's where we're going to go right now because we are. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Yes. All right. So we are going to the NFL. And we are continuing our preview of the 2021-2022 NFL season. We've done the AFC and the NFC North, the AFC and the NFC South, AFC and the NFC West. It is time to talk about the AFC and the NFC East. And we're going to start with the AFC East, which as of right now, the Buffalo Bills 
you got Josh Allen's emergence as one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now. They went 13-3 and last season. The New England Patriots, after losing Tom Brady and half the roster, opted out of last season. They went 7-9. and It was the first time that New England missed the playoffs in about 13 seasons. How will they respond? The Miami Dolphins, now with third-year head coach Brian Flores, they ended last season 10-6. and They uh, narrowly missed the playoffs last season, but with Tua in his first full season as the starting quarterback, they added Jalen Waddell. They have a number of very good players coming back to, to form the core that has been there, that has been building over the course of Flores' run there. And then you have the New York Jets, the New York Jets who finished last season at 2-14. and 14. New head coach. We talked a couple weeks ago about the dumpster fire that Adam Gase's head coaching career wound up being with New York. He is out. Robert Sala, former defensive coordinator from the San Francisco 49ers, he is in. Sam Darnold is out. Now you got Zach Wilson, the second overall pick in the NFL draft. He is going to start week one. And to add to all this, we found out today Mac Jones will be starting for the Patriots week one. Cam Newton is no longer a New England Patriot after being released earlier today. So with that, I will let you guys go a little bit here. Dave, let's start with you. Uh, what were you going to say? No, I'll let Dave start. But I, yeah, yeah. No, I was going to start with Cam, but I'll, I'll let Dave start. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, first and foremost, um, I saw an interesting stat. Uh, the AFC East is going to have the youngest average age of a starting quarterback since the AFC East did it in Marino's rookie year. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I think the Jets are a team that is still rebuilding. Uh, they want to believe they have a couple of those foundational pieces to build around. Um, but offensively and defensively, they still have some areas that they need to get better before they're going to compete for this division. Um, New England with going with Mac Jones, I think that's a, a very interesting move. Um, I, I'm not blown away that Cam got cut, but I am slightly surprised that he got cut. Uh, but in the typical Belichick way, I, I until he gives me a reason to doubt him, I'm not going to doubt him. So I'm going to trust his decision to go that route. Um, they got almost every one of their starters that opted out last year back. So defensively, they could have one of the better defenses in the entire NFL. Um, so you're going to see a lot of, you know, run the ball, play action, dump offs to the tight ends and, and hard defense. Um, New England may be one of the more boring teams to watch this year, if we're going to be honest, but they'll be methodical in their ways and, and they'll be a pretty competitive team. Uh, Miami, it all rests on Tua. I think they have the talent on offense. I think they have talent on defense. I think it's just a matter of, can Tua take that next step and continue to progress as a quarterback? If you can, uh, I think you'll see this team fighting for the division again with Buffalo. Um, but you look at Buffalo, and they're just a team that I, I think they're the clear favorites in the division. Um, I think they're probably one of your top two or three favorites to be in the Super Bowl. Um, Josh Allen definitely showed everybody last year that he has what it takes. 
They add a guy like Emmanuel Sanders to a pretty respectable receiving core with Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley. Um, their backfield to me leaves a little bit to be desired if we're going to be honest, but defensively they're, 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 they got one of the best front sevens and defenses in the league. So uh, Buffalo to me is a team. If they can stay healthy, they're going to be a team that's going to be there at the end fighting for the right to uh, host that Lombardi. Mm. Absolutely. Eric, go ahead. I mean, uh, I agree with a lot of what Dave said. I think it's, you know, um, very young QBs here. I find it interesting. You're still hearing Deshaun Watson to Miami rumors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, it doesn't sound like Miami's super confident in Tua, although I am because I used to watch him play at Bama, and I like him as college QB. Maybe they don't see something in the pros or, or something isn't translating right, I guess. Last year, which was, I thought, a little uncharacteristic of what I'm used to seeing with him. I guess he came out and admitted that he didn't know the playbook the way he should have last year and stuff like that. So um, he's going to be making some adjustments. And, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a make-or-break year, I think, for two of there. If he, does, if he does end up, you know, not getting traded before the season starts. Zach Wilson, no idea what he's going to be. Depends really what that Jetta team is going to do this year. Um Seems to be a lot quieter coming out of a Jet camp this year, and I like that. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you're not hearing the crazy stories, you're not hearing this, you're not hearing players, you're not hearing, you know, there was even a tiny trade today that I think they traded one of their tight ends to the Vikings. In the Herndon. Herndon. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, they, but again, nothing that's like earth shattering to the team. Nobody's, you know, out there complaining, nobody's vocal. Just seems to be very quiet, and with a new coach, new team, I I, I like that. Um, and, and when it comes to Cam, I'm not surprised to see him cut. I'll be honest. I didn't think he had much left in the tank to begin with. I think he's just kind of holding on. And I, you know, I, I got to tell you, I think I had a conversation before with, with my man Billy, and uh, he kind of clued me in and said that once he had a conversation with Cam and was like, "Listen, dude, you're gonna." maybe start the first couple of weeks, but then we're going to kind of see how Mac Jones progresses and can't guarantee you're going to be the starter here all season, just letting you know. And Cam was probably like, ah, I like the sound of that. How about you just release me instead? And uh, my boy Billy was like, sure, you got it. So he's, he's, Yeah, he's your boy, <laughs> Billy? It took me a minute to figure that one out, but still – yeah, you know, I'm just saying, we just, you know, used to text him back and forth and whatnot. He just kind of made it seem like, you know, if Cam couldn't be guaranteed the starter role there all season, he didn't want to have to keep looking over his shoulder. So he thought, you know, listen, the grass is greener on the other side. And he's going to try to, you know, see if that's true. Um, I don't know what team's out there that's really going to pick him up and, and have him be useful or the way he thinks he's going to be useful, um, maybe. I'll be honest, you want to hear a long shot for me? And I think that this could be the only place he lands comfortably, and I'll say comfortably loosely, um, for this season. Because to me, they're in dire need of somebody but without completely shitting the bed. And that's the Texans. Why wouldn't the Texans mm. take a flyer on Cam Newton and just be like, all right, well, we're not going to have Deshaun Watson, whether he's getting traded or whether he's not going to be here all season. He's suspended. Either way, we don't have him. So, how do That's we fill those shoes with Cam for one year and then figure it out in the draft? Because we know we're still not going to be that good. 
and at least Cam might put a fan or two in the stands for you. And at least it's better than starting, you know, the, the last week's towel boy. So I, I, I don't know. That's just my thought where I'm thinking maybe a landing spot for Cam or maybe where, where he's thinking he goes outside of that. Uh, you're looking at – I have nowhere else in the league that he can land right now that's not set with a starting quarterback, in my opinion. And even the Bears, somehow they're going to go with Andy Dalton over Justin Fields, which I don't understand. Justin Fields should be starting for the Bears. He he outplayed Dalton in the preseason, and it, it's Andy Dalton, for God's sakes. So, I mean, I, I don't see Cam going there. Like, I, I don't know where Cam would land outside of the Texans unless he just doesn't play this season. Mm. Well, I had said earlier I thought Cam was kind of dumb, but the Texans are an interesting thought. Schmelrose in the chat is bringing up Denver, which I think is an interesting Denver's idea. Another one. They're, they're yeah. another one that they lost out. They were. I have a feeling behind the scenes, they were pushing harder than people think about uh, getting pay, or uh, getting uh, Aaron Rodgers. So well, I can see that recreate some of that late magic they had with Peyton. So uh, I think when they lost out on that, they've really been looking for a replacement. They, they don't have faith in Watson, so that's why they haven't pulled the trigger on him. They weren't able to draft any of the guys they really wanted to draft in it, you know, this year's draft. Mm. So that is another possible landing spot for Cam. I'll give it to Schmel Rosera that, that I think outside of the Texans, maybe, maybe that comes in number two on the list of places Cam could land and actually maybe start this whole season. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, those two make sense, given what you guys have said about that. So I, I agree with you on that. At the end of the day, though, I it's too late in in the in the process of getting ready for the season. And I I think Cam is probably done, truthfully. But anyway, to to go on here, to move this along, you look at these teams. I think Dave said it best. Buffalo, this is this this is their division to lose. Uh, Miami, uh, Eric, you've been steadfast in your support of Tua. Why they are wavering on him at this point, I, I don't really know. You've given him enough weapons. It's time to see what you got there. Uh, the fact that you, you, you're kind of wavering on him before you really thrust him into a full season because he didn't have the full season last year. You got to see what you have in him. This is a very important season for the Patriots and specifically your boy Billy, apparently. Can we this, can we all agree though on one thing about this division? And I think what? I think by listening to me talk, listening to you talk, and now listening to Dave talk, what I can tell from picking up on all three of us is that none of us are concerned about the Bills whatsoever. And I'm gonna not even get I'm not even gonna guess at it. I'm just gonna know that we're all gonna pick the Bills to win this division, correct? It, it's yeah. theirs to lose, like it's, I said. It's, yeah. yeah, it's it's got to be them. Like, and that's yeah. kind of, I think the least was said about them really so far. We've been diving into these other teams because, yeah. let's be honest, we all feel pretty comfortable about where the Bills are right now, and they should be a pretty solid team. Um, with all the rest of these teams we're talking about, maybe possibly fighting for a wild card if they're if they're you know having a good season. So, having said that, though, having said that, though. This is an important season for the Patriots and specifically your boy Billy there because after everything that happened with Brady last year, for the first time since he was coaching the Browns in 1995, you now have people doubting the greatness of Bill Belichick. 
Really? And yeah, there's new boy though. Yeah, yeah, let me let me go. Let me talk. Let me talk. Let me talk, please. No, you're right in everything. I agree with you on that. But he's got the most pressure out of any team in this division to make the playoffs here. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he responds to that. Is Mac Jones ready for that, though, is my question. I get that Newton probably didn't want to just be, you know, a filler for a little bit until they felt like they could put Mac Jones in. But the team as a whole, I personally thought would have been better served with Newton starting off the season because I question whether or not Mac Jones is ready to be an NFL starter from day one. We're going to find the answer out to that. And then you have the Jets. I think the Jets are as good as Joe Burrow. I'll say that right now. If you guys think that Joe Burrow is going to be anything in this league, Mac Jones is the equivalent of Joe Burrow plus whatever else. Well, that's that's as good if not better than Joe Burrow. That's interesting that you say that one. I'm gonna. I'll defer to you on that. I don't know enough about Mac Jones to really go against you on that one. That that's interesting that you would say that. So we'll see that. Every record that Joe Burrow broke in college, Mac Jones went and broke it after pretty much. So okay, it's, All right. yeah, he's he's gonna as, be every bit as good, and I think that's what Belichick likes. He's gonna have a guy that's gonna have a good head on his shoulders. He's gonna manage the game well. Not gonna have an ego. Um, he's gonna do the right thing. So I I think he's found himself a new Brady ass type quarterback. That well, that's um, pretty that's pretty big. So we'll have to see if that one happens. But let me finish you know, here. Tell, let me wait, let me tell me tell me you wouldn't think though Belichick if he takes this team this team as currently constituted with Mac Jones starting a quarterback as a rookie this team goes ten and seven and makes the playoffs you don't think you just see it that people would be looking at Belichick going oh yeah no he's still the greatest even though he might not win the division even though the Bills may still end up twelve and five and win the division or whatever you know. Not to throw predictions out there. I, th- I thought he was still the greatest after last season, but because Brady was actually able to do it on his own, I, I feel like everybody kind of looked at Belichick and go, well, did Brady really need you? Everybody kind of forgot that it was a reciprocal thing between Belichick and Brady. Early in Brady's career, he wasn't the great quarterback we all know him to know now to be now. It was more Belichick's system and then later on in the career, during that latter three championships, that's where you really saw what Brady was as a, as a quarterback. And then he hit another level next season. So I feel like that's kind of why the pressure is on Belichick. I wouldn't be surprised if they go 10-7 and seven and make the playoffs again. But I also don't feel like Belichick's legacy is in any sort of trouble here just because Brady was able to win on his own. Belichick is going to go down, in my eyes, as the greatest head coach of all time, whether he does anything else or not. But you know how the media and everybody else is. Now there's pressure on him to prove he can do it again with a different quarterback. As far as the Jets go, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here on this. I do think they are going to improve. I don't necessarily think they're going to be fighting for a top three draft pick this season because now you have a legitimate head coach. I'm going to be very interested to see how Robert Salah's career progresses. I just, Zach Wilson, is he the guy? Is he not the guy? He's got weapons around him. They revamped the offensive line a little bit. They spent their other first-round pick on Vera Tucker, the guard. So it would be very interesting to see how they do. More than likely, though, I think we're all still picking them for last place. So with that, I'll start with the predictions for the standings here. 
Buffalo at 13 and four, no doubt they're the division winner. Miami, I will put them down as 11 and six. New England, I'm going to say nine and eight. That's going to be my prediction because, quite frankly, Belichick's a great head coach. I question whether or not Mac Jones, and I'm doing this based off of everything you had said in the lead up to the NFL draft there, Eric. I wonder how he's going to be out the gate. I think later in the season when he finds his footing, I think he could be all right. But I think out the gate, he's going to struggle the first few weeks. Uh, the Jets I have at 6-11, and 11, though. Dave, what do you got? So Hi, Dave. I've got, I've got the Jets at 4-13. and 13. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I've got Miami. I'm going to say Miami and New England both go nine and eight. I'll give the edge to New England. Okay. And then Buffalo, I got a 13 or 12 and five. Okay. All right. Eric, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to take the Jets at 7 and 10. I think they're going to be a little better than Dave. Wow. Predicting there. I do. I think that Salah uh, plus, you know, so far the early things coming out, Zach Wilson's looking pretty good. I still don't have much faith in that, but maybe they put enough wins together this year and start turning this program around. So I'm going to still have them as a losing ball club, but I'm going to put them at seven and 10. That's pretty um, good considering where they're coming from. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. go at seven and 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with new England and nine and eight. Uh, I think Mac Jones could be in the running for rookie of the year. In my opinion, if he stays healthy and I'm going to go Miami at just a slight tick above 10 and 7, possibly fighting for a wild card. I think the wild card really is going to be, you're going to have to be like an 11 and 6 this year to get in the wild card, my, my, my opinion. Um, so I think they're just going to be on the outside looking in, but another uh, team that's like right on the bubble. And I think you were pretty much spot on, or pretty much, I think, I'm not sure what, what did Dave have Buffalo at again? 12 and 5. 12 and 5, 13 and 4. I really like that 13 and 4 number myself. So, um, yeah, 13 and 4 is where we're going to end up. Okay. And we, I just, just for my clarification, because I'm sure we'll get into this more next week, it's seven playoff teams, right? The four division winners and three wildcard teams, right? Now it is, yeah, I think. Yeah. So, with that, I would actually have Miami and Cleveland making the playoffs, and there's an open spot for a 9-8 and eight team, but we'll get into that more next week. All right, so with that, let's move on to the NFC East here. I think the best way to do this, because I do want to let Larry Schmelrose and Cousin David have some thoughts on this first. I want us to be able to start on the NFC East, and then we'll bring Schmelrose and Cousin David in later in the conversation um, they'll be able to give their thoughts on it, and then we'll all give our predictions on how the division is going to shake up. So as far as the NFC East goes, I made the statement a couple weeks ago that saying you are the best team in the NFC East is like being the fastest kid in the Special Olympics. 
And until anybody really steps up and prove otherwise, I see no reason why that statement is not going to hold true for a second year. Now, is this division going to be as bad as it was last year? Who the fuck knows? Dak Prescott is probably going to start week one. We've already heard reports that he's only going to be at 80% to start the season and may never be at 100% during the course of this season. Dallas has made improvements on the defense, at least in theory. We got a new defensive coordinator, a bunch of new defensive players. They had a strong draft. They took the guy from Notre Dame. So at least on paper, they did the right moves. Is it going to work out? Who the fuck knows? Then you got the Giants. Giants, they, uh, Eric, I'm sure you're going to say plenty on the Giants, so I'm going to save I'm going to save that for you, Schmelrose and Cousin David, on that. Uh, Philadelphia comes into the season with Jalen Hurts as the new starting quarterback. They got a new head coach. Who knows what the hell they're going to do? And then you got the Washington football team. Ron Rivera is the only head coach in this division who absolutely any fan, no matter what team you are a fan of, you like Ron Rivera. He's a good guy cancer survivor now you want the best for him you hope his team sucks though and let's be honest they were the best of a shit division last year ryan fitzpatrick is the new starting quarterback for this season this man has been around for over 15 seasons never played in a playoff game that's all i need to say about the washington football team that's their new starting quarterback they didn't really address the quarterback position through the draft and i'll just leave it at that dave go ahead start it off Oh, go ahead. No, 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 I now no, you no, want to start off? Go ahead. No, 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 no. I'm not letting you off the hook. What are you, what right. are you trying to do to us here? I want your thoughts on the Giants. I don't give a shit if you're going to listen to us talk about it. I still want oh. your opinion on this giant team and this giant season. The way you see this team, and this roster shaped up. I'm not letting you get out of here with it without saying anything and just passing the buck off. You're you're going to give some thoughts here on my giant team. <laughs> Listen, I've never been a fan of Dave Gettleman, so you and me are pretty simpatico on that. Um, I thought what they did in the first round of the draft, I, I agreed with you. You got a whole bunch of needs, and you trade down to pick a third wide receiver, to pick a slot wide receiver with your first round draft pick. I thought that was a pretty asinine move. Even if you don't want to take the linebacker at the spot you're at, you had a number of offensive linemen on the board. Lord knows you need those. You could have done better than a third wide receiver. Um, having said that, I do listen. Anything any of these teams do is going to be an improvement over what these teams did last year because they were all garbage. This is a big year for Daniel Jones. This is a big year for Joe Judge as a head coach. I think he has a lot of goodwill coming into this season. But if this team don't make the playoffs this season, I think that goodwill could go right out the window. What we've heard about the Giants through the training camps with the fights and all the players retiring, it's not a good look. So I, I'm going to be honest. I think about the Giants the same as I do the Cowboys. I think you have the potential of being a playoff team. You also have the potential of being a 6-11 and team. I'll be just as mediocre, just as middle of the road, thinking about the Giants as I do about the Cowboys right now. You can go a lot of different directions. This needs to be Gettleman's last season if they don't make a playoff spot, though, which is basically the same thing we said last season, and for some reason he's back. So God only knows. Is that, is that enough for you? Yeah, better. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Can I throw to Dave? 
Uh, yeah, unless you got anything to throw in about Daniel Jones, what do you think he's going to do this year? But oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. I have no godly idea what Daniel Jones is going to be at this point. I don't. He can go a lot of different ways here. I think a lot of it is going to depend on the on the health of Saquon Barkley, though. They're being a little coy as to whether or not he's going to start week one. But I do think that's going to play a big factor. Um, you know, I think they've done what they needed to do to upgrade the receiving game. Whether or not they did enough on the offensive line, ah, who the fuck knows? Who the hell knows how that went? Saquon Barkley is going to be very important to Daniel Jones. And if he don't do it this season, I don't think the fans of the Giants will ever accept him as the, as the next franchise quarterback. There you go. Boom. All right, Dave, all you. I just had to get it out of him. I wasn't all right, fair enough. It. Fair enough. <laughs> go ahead, Dave. Oh, I love football season. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, so I kind of look at the NFC East kind of like you said, Mike. It, it's uh, I don't have high expectations for any of these teams. I think the team that has the most potential um, when I look at the rosters top to bottom, I actually think it's between Washington and Dallas. Um that Washington defense is filled with studs, especially in their front seven. Uh, they are a team that can get pressure with just rushing four. Uh, I think Chase Young is very quickly going to take the mantle over as the best defensive lineman in the league from Aaron Donald within the next year or two. Mm. Um, I, I think they have some studs on defense. Uh, offensively, they've got a pretty good running back. They've got McLaurin on the outside. They added Samuel from uh, Carolina. Um, you know, they've got some pieces on the offensive side. Uh, it's really just going to be a matter of how well Fitzpatrick can play. Uh, we've seen flashes of him being able to be really good. We've seen flashes of him looking extremely horrible. Um, so it's really going to kind of boil down to what he turns to be and turns out to be. Um, and that's really going to determine where this team goes but a lot of people forget uh, I think it was Taylor or Tyler Heineke uh, and this Washington team uh, took Tampa Bay all the way down to a to Washington having a chance to drive with less than two minutes left to win the game um, all, all of a sudden that uh, Brady doesn't get that ring in Tampa Bay and there's a lot of different storylines people are talking about so um, you know, th this team's got some talent. I think you look at Dallas, I think they have one of the better rosters on paper, uh, when it comes down to names and people that you recognize. Um, but can they put it together on the field? That's the question mark. Uh, offensively, look, Dallas is one of those teams offensively. If their offensive line can stay healthy, that team can score on anybody and, and average well over 24 points a game without even trying. Um, but defensively last year, they couldn't even stop a, a running nose, let alone a nosebleed. So, you know, it, can that, it, to me, Dallas is one of those teams where offensively they're going to be a top 10. Uh, if that defense can fall somewhere between 15 and 18. Uh, I think Dallas has, uh, more than enough to be able to, uh, not only win the, uh, make the playoffs, but even potentially win the division. Um, you look at Philly, uh, you don't know what they think of Jalen Hurts. They made the trade and added Gardner Minshew. So I don't know what type of message that sends, uh, whether it's just trying to protect Hurts or what. Uh, their wide receiver core is still mainly filled with names that most people don't know. 
their tight ends are probably two of the best uh, in the league with Goddard and uh, Ertz. Offensive line-wise, eh, can, can kind of go either way. Running back position isn't the greatest. Uh, defensively, you got Fletcher Cox, but he's you know on the tail end of his career. Uh, not really many other playmakers on that side of the ball for them. So I think Philly's just a team that they, they're going to be competitive, uh, but it, it's really going to rest on that offense being able to put up enough points because I don't think that defense is going to be uh, near the top 10, uh, maybe not even near the top 15. So they're going to need to be able to score points. And then the Giants, look, I mean, their, their defense to me is, is a lot better than people give it credit for. There's not a lot of big names on it, but um, they really know how to play aggressive and tough defense and, and really kind of uh, bring their nose to the ball. Um, so they, they, I think that defense is going to be a solid defense. And then offensively, look, they've got weapons everywhere. Uh, between Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, the wide receivers with Galladay and Shepard and Tony or Tooney, however you say it. Um, you know, they, they, they're three, at least three solid wide receivers deep. They've got a good tight end if you can catch the ball. Um, and, and you got, you know, Barkley in the backfield and it's, it really just rests all on Daniel Jones's shoulder. Um, you know, what can he do? Can he perform? Uh, he was getting an ass whooping, uh, their last preseason game. Uh, that offensive line was looking suspect at best, but they've made, two trades in the last two days to try and shore up that offensive line a little bit more. Um, so to me, the Giants are just going to, it's going to boil down to Daniel Jones. And the craziest part is you have Jones, a top five pick, and then you got Saquon, a top five pick. Uh, and both players, if things don't go well this year, could not be wearing the Giants uniform next season. Um, it, it, that's how fast NFL life comes at these players. So um yeah, I really think this is a division that's not going to be great. I think most likely the team that wins it is lucky to hit 10 wins. Most likely is going to come in at nine. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts and uh, perspective on the division. Hmm. I have to correct myself on one thing. Micah Parsons is not from Notre Dame. He's from Penn State. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Yes, yeah, Smell Rose will get upset about that one. You don't, you don't mess with Penn State players. Oh, I'm sure it's already. Oh, you didn't put it in the chat. I caught it before he did. All right, I'm proud. Cool. All right, Eric, go ahead. Hello, Eric. We got you, Mike. I'm yep. here. There you go. Go ahead, man. So, uh, division. I got no faith in Fitzmagic to get anything done in Washington. Got to mm -hmm. be honest with you. He'll uh, have a couple flashes. He'll look okay half the season, and he won't make the playoffs. So, yeah, no faith in Fitzmagic. So, we're, we're really – I mean, again, Ron Rivera, Panthers survivor, wish him all the best. He's a good coach. I'm not saying anything against that. He does a good job with that team. They have formidable defense. But let's face it, I don't think they're repeating as division champions again. So mm. – uh, I still think this Cowboys division will lose. I think even with Dak at 80%, he's still the best quarterback in the division. And they're probably, as long as he can stay on the field, going to be the team that wins this division. So, that, uh, and then the Eagles and the Giants are, are fighting it out for, I don't know what the Eagles are going to be. They're still young. They have a young QB. They got young talent. They're, they're working out some kinks. The Giants, same way, you know, uh, just awkward. I, I don't like the Giants right now. I'm. I don't love 
all I'm hearing at a camp, you know, all the retirements, all of this, all of that. I know they're trying to shore up the offensive line at this point, but it's almost too little too late at this point. In my opinion, you're at the end of the preseason. You should have shored up your offensive line in the offseason and then have them be able to work together. They're just going to go out and make trades two weeks before the season starts. I think everybody's going to gel come week one. I mean, I, I don't uh, – I think it's, it's more fan service. Like, hey, look, guys, we're trying – we're trying more than it is actually getting stuff corrected and fixed with this team. And that's what worries me is that, like, Edelman's trying to give the impression, guys, look, no, I'm listening. I'm, I'm getting it fixed. I'm gonna, look, you want to keep me around? I'm doing the right things. But really, we don't. We're done. I'm done with Edelman. And unfortunately, the, that probably means we're done with Judge, too, because when you bring a new GM, it's just inevitable. Eventually, you're bring in a new coach, too. Um regardless of if some people think Judge is doing a good job now or not, he's still going to be tied to Gettleman in a lot of ways. And if he comes with another losing season attached to him, it's not going to look real good. So not to say he won't get another opportunity somewhere else, not to say that he won't succeed somewhere else, um, but just not where – not probably with the Giants, unfortunately. Uh, hmm. This really is a make-or-break season, but, I mean, you're already hearing what? Holiday, I think, is hurt already. Don't know much about Saquon yet, although you're hoping he plays. You're hoping he stays healthy and has a big year. Because um, like you said, that that's, could be one of the biggest things for Daniel Jones this year is that if Barkley could stay healthy, now they have to focus a little more on the run and open some things up in the passing game. But again, all of the passing game is also contingent on this offensive line. And Can I ask you a ball. question? Can I ask you a question real quick? I'm sorry to cut you sure. off. Do you have faith in Evan Ingram? Because I feel like this no, every yeah, every year he's been in the he league. Healthy and he drops a lot of passes. So no, I don't really have much faith. I had more faith in him, or, or I had more hope for him coming out of college because he had a lot of potential. And listen, he, he he has everything you really want in a you know pro, in a, like typical tight end that you would look for nowadays. But at the same time, he drops a lot of passes and he doesn't stay healthy. So, or I'm just not. Mm-hmm. the biggest Ingram like supporter at this particular second. So I, I look at him as a guy that he's another guy. It's kind of make or break or go somewhere else. Cause I'm tired of just hearing about potential and all oh, this team could have, we're really good. I could have this, could have, I can have shit if the offensive line can't block. That's really right what it comes down to. Oh, Cause if they can't block, it means Barkley's not going to be able to get, you know, uh, you know, have a very good season. It means, Jones isn't going to have a good year. Every, everything hinges on both sides of the line. Like, you really do win football games in the trenches. And when you control that line of scrimmage, right now I don't have faith that the Giants are controlling the line of scrimmage. And I feel a little bit, uh, I'll be honest, better if I'm an Eagles fan because you know at least you know that the Eagles have a stout D line. They have questionable line, but at least half of the trenches they're going to win. You know, or feel like they're going to go into every game win. I don't know. You don't feel that way with the Giants right now. You don't feel like you're winning either side of the ball. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, with that, I think now is a good time to bring on Larry Schmelrose and Cousin David. They are both devout Giants fans like Eric is. And I want to get both of them in on this conversation. Larry Schmelrose, I'm sure you're there. I'm here. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Cousin David, are you here? I'm definitely here. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. 
Everybody feeling good? <laughs> you feel like you're in the drain. You feel like you're a little sedated. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just relaxing. <laughs> I, I saw. I, work. <laughs> yeah, I got to see cousin David like and. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I can like see that. Relaxing the same way. Got to spend no, some time. Got to spend some time with cousin David and his side of the family over the weekend. We had a good Saturday. We had a good Saturday there. All right, let's uh, let's get started here. Uh, Rose, I will let you start first. Your thoughts on this division, specifically your Giants? Uh, it's bad. You know, <laughs> the Giants are bad. And it's just they're not going to be able to block. And the sad part is, it's like I, I t- texted you guys, like every chance that the, the kid, any little chance the kid had to be a good, productive quarterback is out the window because they can't block for him. And whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like you say, oh, Saquon's out there, so they got to focus on him more. No, they don't because they could just win every one-on-one battle on the offensive line and they're in the backfield. And there's not a lot he can do in that situation. It's bad. And the trades are patchwork. The only one I really liked was the, the two trades. I did like the kid from since that they traded for from Cincinnati. Uh, he comes out of Ohio State. He won the Remington. Uh, he got moved there to the center spot in his senior year. And he won the Remington Trophy, which is for the best center in college football. Uh, he got a little dinged up, but he did uh, block for a AFC leading rusher and Joe Mixon for a year. So, or at least half of that year, he was hurt, his foot got hurt, and then after that, he's been dinged up. So, change of scenery for a guy like that, who knows? But, again, offensive line takes a lot of chemistry. And, um, you know, they had – they probably took – when they took Andrew Thomas in that draft, they took the worst offensive tackle in the draft, and they had other guys there. So, uh, it's just been total mismanagement. So, I honestly feel bad for Daniel Jones because when I was watching what I could stomach of that preseason game, He's actually – his timing's better. Like, if you watch, when the guy gets close to him, a lot of times is when he was holding it too long and, and fumbling. When that arm comes in, when they slow-mo replay, he's getting the ball out just before that. Right before he gets tackled, he's breaking out of the pocket at the right times. But the problem is he's got to do all of that at a, a, a speed of two seconds. And you can't in the NFL do that at a speed of two seconds. Uh, so it's just – it's very disheartening because like Dave said, there's weapons everywhere, but they can't use them because they can't block for them. So what am I getting into? You have a, a, the NFC East has a pretty winnable schedule. If you're going off of last year's teams, Um, I think Dallas actually maybe has 11 wins this year, but I haven't really looked at everybody's game by game by game to lay that out. So I can't really call, Records. I haven't had time to look. Uh, Melrose, just so you know, as Dave pointed out a few weeks ago, none of us have looked at the week-by-week schedules. We don't yeah, do the predictions based on that. So you're in good company. I understand, but I, that's like the only way I'd feel comfortable doing it is if I actually – I'm weird, man, like that. I'd have to go through game-by-game <laughs> game, every NFL game and put a W or an L next to them and add them up. Like, that, I can't because if I – I'll end up contradicting myself somewhere else and I'll – I'll be pissed off at myself. So like, that's something that I would have to do. And I hadn't had the time to do that, but I think the Dallas Cowboys are legit. I think the reason why Washington and New York have such a good defenses um, is because of the Dallas Cowboys. Like it's a counteract 
Cowboys kept adding these weapons, Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb, Mari Cooper. Dax, to me, is probably the best quarterback I've seen them have, um, other than maybe Aikman. So I think he's better than Romo, obviously, and anything that came between those two. And, well, that that uh, goes without I saying, think, absolutely. I think Dak gives them a chance. It's as much as I hate to say it. I think as long as he stays on the field, he gives them a chance to make a deep run in the playoffs. He's an X factor kind of quarterback. So I think you guys are downplaying Dallas a lot this year. Um, I think that they can come out of the gates. You know, they got a couple tough games to start, but then they have a chance to reel off three in a row. So if they can come one and one out of their first two, and then get those confidence builders, those three in a row next. Um, you know, then I think they have a good chance to be a little bit hot going into a bad division. Uh, Washington might play a little better than you think. Uh, I don't, I, I know Fitz likes to go downfield. McLaurin likes to run deep routes. So you have that option there. They have a great defense. So their defense is good enough to where you only really need to hit on two or three routes a game for touchdowns. So there's a chance Fitz is smart enough. And if he goes out and throws six picks in the first game, maybe Ron Rivera calls his old buddy, says, hey, Cam, I got this really good defense here. You know, you never know. I don't think that'll happen. But it's not out of the realm of possibilities in the NFL. Mm. So it's something that maybe you could see. Who knows if you're trying to talk about where he might end up. But uh, Philly, it's hard to tell because Hurt shows flashes of a guy who could be really good. He could be a game changer. But then you're not sure yet. So, like you said, it's tough to tell. They have two great tight ends. So if they're smart and they run two tight end sets and they find different ways to mix those two guys into it because they don't have very good wide receivers, they have a chance to maybe win a couple games, but they don't look very good either. They do have a good defense, but I don't think their defense is as good as the Redskins or the Giants. So I really think it's a walk uh, for Dallas, to be honest. Uh, and I, sorry, I keep calling the Redskins. It's habit football team, uh, <laughs> and I think it's a walk of a division for Dallas. Like I think they're going to breeze through it. I think they're going to make the playoffs easily, and they might win a couple games there. And I don't think you guys want to say it because you don't want to jinx them. But I know deep down in your hearts you believe it. We want. We I, want to believe it. Yeah, Spellrose, you're spoiling my standings for later, you, man. Yeah. Micah Parson plays fast football. All right. And the things that he has to work on are things that they probably drilled home all summer long. Like the, the things that you can't teach, he has. All right. So that guy's going to be all over the field. You're going to see him in the opposing backfield a lot. You guys picked up a gamer. So the, the bad rap that their defense is getting, like, come on, dude. Like everybody's posting the NFC's preseason, right? Who cares? It's preseason. Like, Jesus Christ. And I do under, I remember Eric had made a comment a couple weeks back that he preferred the starters to play in preseason. To me, it's a little different now because they go and they play at other teams' facilities and they play live football uh, in practice. So, I mean, they're playing against other teams' first teamers all week. I don't think it's as necessary to get them out there and just showboat them for the fans because I think that's really what preseason is anyway um, because these guys could accomplish what they accomplish on Sundays in practice. You know, they can game plan a practice to make it simulate a game to a T. These preseason games are a joke. All also right. Extra tickets and for fans. Well, I think we all agree with that one. So, All right. With that, let's get some thoughts from Cousin David here. Cousin David, what do you think? You want me to give the 
predictions now, or we're not doing we're not doing that. No, no, no. Start with start with you're thinking about the Giants. I feel like you're going to be in line with what Schmel Rose and Eric basically said. Start with your Giants. Let me do the Giants last. Um, I th- I could see. I don't want to repeat what what everybody said. So I think the Philly. I think Philly would probably be the worst in the division. I don't know the wind yet, but I just don't see that. What they were four. They were four and eleven last year, or four and twelve. I don't, I don't see them doing much, much, much better. Washington, I could see, you know, they won the division last year. I could see them winning a couple of games here and there, stealing a couple of games. Um, I think I think Dallas is probably going to win the division. I think it's theirs. I think it's theirs to win. Um, I agree with, whatever, with pretty much what everybody said. Um, I think if they went six and ten without Dak, and you're 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 going to give Dak this big contract. I think you could argue that Dak is worth it at least three or three or four or maybe five wins. Um, and if you do six and five, you kind of get, you would probably kind of get a division winner in, in that sake. Um, so I think Dallas will, Dallas is probably going to win this division. Um I think that's the problem with the NFC East is that all four teams could be really good, but all four teams could also be really bad. But the, but the good thing about all four of these teams is, is, is that, is that they play each, each other twice. So it's like, you know, what does that tell you? Are they going to be very close? Yeah. You know, I could see the point of this division when they all finish the 17 games, they're all very close to each other because they all play each other hard. So there's pros and cons to this being a bad division. Um, And now to basically the Giants. Um, It's kind of a tough call because I could kind of see the Giants winning five or six games, but I could also see them winning maybe nine or 10 games. Um, I think, I, I think the problem with, with this team is that you've had, you have a really good head coach. I, I actually agree with Schmelrose. Um, Joe Judge is going to be a really good coach. The problem is, is that you have a GM who's fighting for his life, and you probably should have had this coach do more of a rebuild, give him maybe five years instead of three. And I think you kind of have two guys who are supposed to work together doing two different things rather than building out the team long-term have having, you know, developing players, you have Edelman who are, who's just trying to put band-aids on the teams. And you kind of saw that with these two trades. So, you know, what does a team get when it's kind of moving in two different directions, when it doesn't have a quote unquote identity, when it, when it kind of doesn't really know, what it is. If you look at every single player, you don't really know what like you're going to get with Barkley or Jones or all these weapons. Yeah. You know what? The giants do have weapons, but what happens when you put it all on base of the field, you don't know what's actually going to happen. So I could see them winning six games, five games. I could see them winning 10 games. The problem is, is that you don't, you don't really even know. And I think with the season starting, that's not good news. Yeah, I feel like you could probably say that about every team in this division. Any team 
could go five and twelve, six and eleven. Any team can go nine and eight. I still say these seventeen games are fucking weird. Uh, Ten and seven. Anyone can do it. Eric, I know you know what I know you think you know what the reason is, but I just say it's fucking weird. We've been saying 16 games for God knows how long. Now we gotta say 17 games. Anyway. Um Mike, think about how they felt when after 20 years of playing 14 games, they switched to 16. Or if they you want to go further, baseball went from 150 something to 162. Yeah, I get it. I get it. This is never four. One fifty. Thank you, cousin David. Yes, one fifty four to one sixty two. I get it happens, but this is the first time in our lifetimes that this has really happened, at least that any of us remember. So anyway, that's not the point. Uh, I'm getting the sense that cousin David and Schmelrose, you guys don't want to get involved in terms of picking the standings. Oh, I'll pick the standings. You pick care. the standings, Schmelrose. Yeah, do you sure. want to do it? Yeah, I'll give it a go. Why not? Then how about you guys start off here? Because I think I think everybody knows I am not picking the Cowboys to win the division. I'm not doing that. I'm not giving them the kiss of death. I'm not doing it. Just not doing it. Okay? And y'all can say what the fuck you want. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. So, Cousin David, let's start with you. Your, your standings predictions for the NFC East. Um... I'm gonna put the Eagles. They were four and twelve last year, right? Four eleven and one, actually. Four four eleven and one. That's right. Um, let's put the Eagles at five and twelve. Let's okay. put let's put the Giants at seven and ten. Is that seventeen? Yeah. Yeah. Let let's put Washington at 8 and 9 and let's put Dallas 10 and 7. Okay. Schmelrose. All right, let me start off with Philly. And let's just keep that simple. Um let's do a 6 and 11 year for Philly. Uh then we'll go with the Giants. And I'm going to go 7-10 and 10 also. Then my division winner is going to be Dallas. I actually have them at 12-5. and five. Jesus. Oh, yeah. And then I think that uh, the Washington football team, I finally got it right, um, is going to end up 10-7. and seven. All right. I'm not going first out of the three of us. I'm going to let Eric go first. I'll, I'll go first. Yeah, I can go first. I don't mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm going to kind of echo and mirror kind of what some of what was said earlier. I think that everyone's pretty much right spot on with the Eagles right at around 6 and 11, and then with uh, the Giants at 7 and 10. Um, I think that those are your two bottom – Probably, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Philly were to creep up around eight wins. But for the most part, I think they're going to be around a, a seven and ten, six and eleven team. But I'll, I'll put them officially in at even with the Giants. I'm going to go even with the Giants, both teams at seven and ten. Okay. I'm going to go for Fitzmagic and that Washington defense. Give me nine and eight out of the playoffs. And give me your division winners, those Dallas Cowboys at, 
I want to say 12 and five is right about that right number as long as they stay healthy. So okay. I think they're going to pretty much run away with this division. So I'm going to take the Cowboys at the same. I hate to hate to echo, you know, but it's, it's a lot of the same feelings. I got to be honest. Okay. Dave, I'm going to let you know, go next. I, I listen, I get that. I'm the only superstitious one on this show, but Dave, you have to see the fact that three people have just picked the Cowboys to win. And you have to echo my second sentiments that four people picking the Cowboys to win the division. That's, that's, that's a death knell. It's, it's a bad omen, Mike. Yes. Thank you. But I'm going to take the Cowboys winning the division. There you go. uh, All right. I, I, I hate, I hate to do this, Mike. I'm sorry, but (laughs) You know, we're, we're, we're doing this, to be honest. I'm not going to lie to you guys. So, I think Dallas wins the division, but I think it's at 9-8. and eight. So, obviously, not much of a drastic change um, from the other predictions record-wise. I mean, I think, Eric, you gave him, a, what, 12? Or was that Schmelrose? Both Eric and Schmelrose gave them 12, gave them 12 wins. Yes. Yeah. Uh, until this defense gives me a reason to believe they can stop people, I, I can't give them a double. Right on. That, that, that's my problem. But anyway, um, so I do have Dallas winning the division, 9-7. and seven. Um, And then I think from there, what you're going to see is Washington also be 9-7. and seven. And I just think Dallas has a better division record, so they take the division. Um, I'm no mathematician here, but if I if I do the math there, 9-7 and seven and 9-7 and seven is only a 16-game uh, oh, regular season. Sorry, 9-8, 9-8. and eight. Nine and eight. My apologies, 9-8. Thank you, Eric. My uh, math skills are obviously dwindling in my older age. Uh, I'm telling you, it's the seventh game, seventeen game season, fucking up everybody. You don't do not apologize, Dave. I've been whatever, saying this like, for weeks now. I, I feel you on that, dude. But I'll take an extra game, uh, extra week of football. <laughs> um, so Dallas and Washington, both nine and eight. I just think Dallas has a better division record, so they end up winning the division. Um, I think you see the Giants coming in at seven and ten. Um, I think they're going to be better than they were last year, but that offensive line, and I, I hate to say this, I because I, I agree with what Schmelrose said. Like, Daniel Jones looks like he's got a little bit better timing than he has in previous years. Like, he's getting the ball out of his hands at, at a faster count. He, he's avoiding some pressure, but he's still taking a beating. Um, and, and that, that I, I think he, if we all remember that wonderful Sam Darnold quote of seeing ghosts, um, I, I think you're going to see that take its wear and tear on him as the season progresses, and that's what's going to hurt um, hurt the Giants in the long run. So I, I see the Giants at seven, uh, seven and ten, and then I see the Eagles coming up the rear at. at I'll give them six, so six and uh, eleven. So everybody picks the Eagles to come in last in this division. That's funny. Yeah, so they'll probably win the division. Yeah. So here's the deal. I want to say this. The reason I can't pick the Cowboys to win the division, it's not just because I'm a superstitious prick. Okay. It's not just because of that. It's because traditionally anything that can go wrong with the Cowboys does go wrong. They are the New York Mets of the NFL, in my opinion. And it's not just because I chose to start rooting for the Cowboys back in 1995. And I've watched them become the Mets over the course of my entire life. It's not just because of that. It's because everything that can go wrong 
does go wrong with them, okay? Uh, Travis Fredericks, great center, all-pro center. Since he retired at the beginning of last season, this offensive line has become incredibly brittle. I feel like Tyron Smith and Zach Martin wind up missing at least two, three games a season. Lel Collins was supposed to be this great. He was supposed to be the great fourth anchor on this team. I'm sorry, he's been shit. He's hurt every other game. And the rest of the offensive line behind that has not stepped up. I want to have faith in this offensive line because you have these great weapons. The fact that the tight ends are healthy again. I like Blake Jarwin. I do. I think he's got a lot of talent. Is he going to stay healthy for a full season? Who the fuck knows? I have I have faith in the wide receiver. Is the offensive line going to be healthy enough to do what the Cowboys need them to do, though? Dak Prescott at eighty percent. Listen, when he was one hundred percent before the injuries, before the injury, before the start of last season, what was the question? Is he really an elite quarterback? Well, we saw what he was able to do the first four or five games before he went down last season. He sure as hell acted like an elite quarterback. Can that transpire over the course of an entire season? I don't know. Is the defense going to be able to hold up? The fact that we got, um, I think it's Mike Smith, the former Falcons coach. Dan Quinn. Thank Wow. Not even close. All right. Dan Quinn, the former Falcons head coach. I was right on that part. As I I like the fact that he's our defensive coordinator. Is the defense really going to be that much different than it was last year? Micah Parsons, Schmelrose, you said a lot of great things about Micah Parsons. Is he going to be able to stay on the field? We had a great linebacker by the name of Sean Lee. He only played eight games a season. He's a great linebacker when he was on the field. I need to see a lot of things out of this Cowboys team before I fully believe that they are worthy of me saying they are going to win the division. So, yes, I'm going to be the dissenting voice here. Y'all knew it was coming. Y'all knew it was going to happen. I'm not picking them to win the division here. I'm going to, and I can't pick Washington to win the division. I'm sorry. The idea that they are the best team in the division? No. They were the best piece of shit out of a piece of shit division last year. I can't pick them to win two division in a row. That's just not going to happen. They're going to be six and 11. I'm going to say the Giants are at eight and nine. I wanted to say they were going to be at nine and eight, and the Cowboys would be at eight and nine, but I stopped myself and I said, I, there's a difference between superstitious and just plain stupid. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say the Giants are eight and nine. I'm going to say the Cowboys are nine and eight, and I'm going to be the one who picks Philly to win the division. I think the new head coach is going to have an effect on them. I'll be very interested to see what Jalen Hurts does. I like the move to get Garner Minshew, though. I do. Because I think if you put the right weapons around him, in the event Hurts fails, we've seen some, you know, I'll call it the Fitz magic. We've seen the same thing out of Minshew on a terrible Jaguars team the last couple seasons. You put him with a decent offensive line and some quality weapons around him, and the Eagles do have some quality weapons on that team with running back Sanders and some good young talented wide receiver, the two tight ends. Yeah, all right, Eagles, 10 and 7. Stop yourself right there. No, (laughs) no, I will not stop. I will not stop, sir. You just picked Gardner Minshew to win this division. 
Actually, I picked the Eagles to win the division. I said Minshew was a good bet hedger in the event Hurts fails. Get out of town. Stop it right now. Like, you want to pick the Eagles to win, but don't bring up Gardner Minshew being a positive for this organization. This is sad. I thought it was a good bet hedger. We've seen what he can do on a shit team. I'm sorry. The, the, have, the, huh? What did you have Dallas's record at, Mike? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Nine and eight. What'd you have? Da- Nine so, and eight. So, so you think Dak only gives you three wins? Uh, it's not that Dak only gives three wins. I, I need to see more out of this defense before I'm convinced that the team as a whole is going to win more. No, no. I, I mean, look, I get that. And I had Dallas at 10 and 7, but I had them winning the division because I really. Everybody had them winning the division except me. No, no, no. And I get that, but I'm just saying, like, you paid a franchise quarterback all this this money, and you're saying that your team is only going to improve by two wins and not actually win the NFC East? Let's see what the defense does. Let's see what the defense does. I think you're undercutting your own team there. Uh, Were you Mike, really Mike, surprised, Mike, though? Not to, not to jump on you, but you are undercutting the team pretty rough. Are um, you surprised? Are you surprised? No, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, Tyron Smith, you're spot on with the injury history. Last uh, last year was the first time Zach Martin ever missed the game due to injury. Literally the, the first time in his entire career he missed the game due to injury. I, but my that, point that this all started after Fredericks retires is still valid, though. Now, all of a sudden, these guys are brittle as all hell. But still, he missed, he missed two games, and he got injured playing a position he hasn't played since high school or early college. So, I'm not you, – you can't invest in that. Leo Collins has been a very good right tackle since they moved him to right tackle. He got into a bad car accident last offseason and never recovered from it. He's finally back and healthy. He's missed a couple practices here and there for stingers. But other than that, he's good to go. So you got some holes with your argument about the offensive line. It was one year that they had a breakdown. Yes, it happened to be the year after Frederick retired. But still, it's only one season of this offensive line having that hardcore of injury issues. Outside of that, Tyron Smith's been the only player that's been consistently injured on that on that offensive line in the last couple of years. As a big player to be consistently injured, though, I'm just I'm just saying I'm going to stand behind what I said. I'm standing behind it. I would also Come on more shots, more through. shots, huh? Not, yeah, I got to do it. I would just like to argue that um, I think that that Jaguars offense is better than the Philly offense. I just think Gardner Minshew is the problem. I think the Jaguars yeah. actually have a pretty some pretty good weapons over there. Yeah, now they do. Maybe I don't. I I don't know. I just I I think the Eagles will be better coached than the coaching staff that was there. I mean, we're talking about Doug Marone for Christ's sakes. Give him a legitimate head coach. And I I will totally admit the 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 guy with the Eagles. We don't know if he's a legitimate head coach, but I do think there are better weapons there than the Jaguars had during the last couple of years with Minshew as quarterback. But again, we don't even know. I, I said in the beginning he was a bet hedger if Hurts fails. Everybody coming I, after I me about the Minshew idea, thing. I'm just saying. You know, I just had, you know, they, even though they were 1-15 last year, their running back was number six in the league in rushing. Uh, 
uh, you know, Miles, Miles Sanders wasn't bad for the Eagles as a running back. He was a good he running back. Up a lot. Yeah. All right. Anybody got anything else? Um, I have one thing to tell you, Mike. Here we go. We might as well tell you this now. The three giant fans who picked actually the Dallas to win actually the division, we were just messing with you. We were just doing that so that Dallas wouldn't win the division as the Giants would. Well, th- thank you, cousin. Dave. <laughs> Somebody, honesty, honesty. There you go. That's I knew it. Joke. That's yeah. just the joke. I also think Dave's full of shit with nine and eight for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, you think they're winning at least eleven games this year, deep down inside. Not to call you full of shit, but you're full of shit. No, honestly, I'm hey, not. Green, I, I smell rose. I'm on board with that. I got, as much as we call Mike out, I gotta call Dave out on that. Nine and eight for a division winner here. I get it that this division was crap last year. Seven and nine was the division winner last year. But I, I got you, Dave. Year, there wasn't a Dak Prescott in the division last year. Agreed. But this, that, look, you need all three sides of the ball to show up every Sunday. He's to a win minimum the game. ten game winner this year. You can't say it otherwise. What about the defense? That That's not that all on him, that, though. That defense is bottom half of the league, and that offense is top half of the league. They're right around a 500 team, most likely. So that nine defense and is going to be giving between, that defense a chance. That defense is going to be between 10 and 15 this year, somewhere in that ranking. They're going to be that's better. that's really Wins high. Better. That's Wins really high. Defensive coach, you're going to get better on defense. I think that the, the de- defensively he's a better coach than he is a uh, head coach. It seems like so. I, sure. I think you're going to actually be okay um, defensively. Your defense is going to be so well rested this year. Like your offense has the ability to control the ball, and that's something that can help a defense out tremendously, tremendously. Yeah, and your that wouldn't have worked that. last season too if they didn't average two turnovers a game. So, right, yeah, and it, it, that I, didn't break I, his ankle. I confidently say nine and eight, and I still think that wins the division. I think you're downplaying it because you don't want to jinx your boys. So, Dave, let me get this straight. You think nine and eight is the floor? That's that's as low as they can go. I just want to say I fully support everything Dave does that, with the, with this. I am with you, Dave. <laughs> sure, Eric, I'll I'll give you that. Yes, I'll say nine and eight is if they stay healthy. Nine and nine and eight should be the worst record that they have. Okay, now if they are completely healthy and they things go well for them, what is the best record they can have in your eyes? 13 Tired of hearing about the low end. I want to hear what you think about what this Cowboy team could do on the high end. He did just say, there you go. 13 and four, okay. All right, you're a little less full of shit now. Yeah, if they stay that healthy, was, I have no cold. doubt. And that defense is a top 15 to 20. I think they can win now, at least 11 games. I was hoping Dave would give me one of those Dave last, but he just gave me a yeah. And then- <laughs> can I ask the Dallas Cowboys question? Can I ask a Dallas Cowboys question? Go right ahead. Uh, and I could be totally wrong, but to the Dallas – well, to pretty much everybody, do you think Dallas is beating Tampa Bay in week one? No. 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 Eric? Uh, I, I really? Know. To me, the really? Pivotal- the pivotal game for Dallas to me early on in the season is their week two game. 
it's hard to start zero and two, and I believe I can't remember what it is, but their week two matchup isn't the easiest. It's a tough matchup. No, I but know, then but they I'm have thinking they might be able three. to sneak game one though. I'm thinking they, I'm thinking catching Brady and them on ring night there in Tampa. Everybody feeling good coming off the Super Bowl. It's if you are going to catch Brady in a game this season, it's going to be game number one in my opinion. Well, game two is against the Chargers. Right, and I think the Chargers are better than people give them credit for, and uh, I think that's going to be a tough game, but that's the one. They can't lose that game. That's a must-win for Dallas, in my opinion, because the next three are are pretty much winnable games. Eagles, Panthers, and Giants. So if Dallas Dallas beats the Bucs in game one, are you guys going to start thinking maybe 13 wins instead of 10 wins? No, Hell no, no, I will not. I will not. No, thank you, Dave. <laughs> All right. No, that's just very. That's just very interesting. You know when I'll start thinking thirteen wins when they actually have thirteen wins. That's when I'll start thinking it. Hey, we got thirteen wins. Look at that. How'd that happen? <laughs> All right, I'm not that bad. I mean, I could think if, if they're, you know, let's say five and three. At the midway point, then yeah, you, I, I would say like thirteen wins has potential. Yeah, well, you don't follow the New York Mets the way I do. So hey, we got a two one, we got a three one lead. Hey, look at that, that's awesome. All right, I'm sorry. All right, does anybody have any final thoughts? Anything else they'd like to throw in here? No, I think we hit it pretty hard. All right, Schmelrose, cousin David, you guys got anything else you want to throw in? I'm good. No, that's really it. <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll let you guys out of here. Schmel Rose, always a pleasure to have you here. Cousin David, thank you for joining us here. Um, it is it is 830. Stay sweaty, guys. Stay sweaty. Yes, absolutely. Eric, Dave, you guys got anything else sports-wise you want to throw in? Not really. I mean, that's kind of it. We had nothing really hockey, nothing really basketball. Really, it was mainly football driven this week. So I'm kind of digging it. I'm getting ready for the season. Got a couple drafts coming and just looking forward to the season. So till next week when I can call you guys from a different location. Can't wait for it. <laughs> that know, sounds... Maybe I'll even give you a little video next week. Oh, nice. Nice. Maybe I'll put the video on for you. Make All right. Go. I have to throw this in because I know you guys, like Eric, I'm sure you haven't even seen this show yet. Dave, I know you were kind of like you liked it, but you weren't as over the top as I was about it. Uh, What if episode three? uh, I will say I did not think it was as good as episode two. I thought that was the greatest thing they've done since Avengers Endgame. Uh, Episode three of what if you guys need to see. That was a fantastic episode. I thought, Dave, did you get a chance to see him? Uh, yeah, it's with Ant-Man, right? Uh, Michael yeah. Douglas as Yellow Jacket, I'm, I'm, I'm actually. Ju- I'm, ju- I'm not trying to ruin anything for Eric. I'm just double-checking that I remember correctly. Well, you, you said who was in it, but you didn't say the, the plot of the show, so I think we're safe there. But, yeah, no, he, he was in that, absolutely. Yeah, no, that, that episode was pretty badass. That was fantastic. Cousin David texted me at like 7, 8 o'clock in the morning saying, yo, this was a pretty good episode. Not as good as episode two, but you got to see it. I watched it. It was like, holy shit. It kind of blew my mind a little bit. I'm not going to lie. 
Eric, you still haven't watched any of this shit yet, right? No, it's on the it's on the watch list, but unfortunately, I just have not had the time. But it, well, it should be getting watched soon, and I'm I plan on doing it in pretty much just one straight shot, just hitting it all. Like, watch them. Oh, yeah. that would be really cool. Like I've been watching them as they come, so I don't get to experience that. But to watch them all right in a row, that'll be pretty cool for you. I gotta say. Yeah. So we're about halfway through the season, right? So I'll be out probably. I don't think so. I don't even think I I think there's ten episodes in this season, truthfully. So tomorrow is gonna be episode four. So I don't think we're at the halfway point yet. No. Okay. Yeah. Got a lot to go. Tomorrow is gonna be about Doctor Strange, apparently. I don't know what direction they're gonna take it in, but I I huh? He's probably gonna visit the wire universe. You douche. Yeah, you had to do it, didn't you? I I don't I for the record, folks, I don't bring up the wire on this show. I just wait for Eric to take a shot at me about the wire. That's what I do. That's all I do. I didn't bring it up at all. I should start singing the theme song. I'm not gonna do that. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. All in fun, Eric. All in fun. That was that was a good that was a good you threw that in there at the right time. That was pretty good. <laughs> always here for, uh, always here for a good wire wire line. Yeah, wire joke. I just want to point out, like Schmelrose brought this earlier up in the um, the group chat we're in. When you recommended Slapshot to me, I actually watched that movie. Nothing on your point part in terms of watching the wire. I just want to point that out. Like, I know none of us really watch the shows or movies that the other ones recommend. I actually watched Slapshot when Eric said it was a good movie. And it was. Yeah, the one thing I, I, I'll say about that, Mike, though, is uh, The Wire is a, a numerous season series that is, what, 45 minutes each episode? Uh, they, you're being generous there, Dave. I think they're about 50, 55 minutes, truthfully. Yeah. So, I mean... You had to bring that up, though. We couldn't have just acted like it was the same thing just for shits and giggles. I, I get... No, I get the point you're trying to make. <laughs> I mean, you, you're talking like 20, 30, 40 hours of your life compared to two. Mm. That, that, that is inconsequential, though. No, it's not. I mean, I get it, but yeah, no, it's... Yeah, all right. You that killed that whole thing. That is not what matters. That is not what matters, Exactly. All right. What matters uh, is that we keep staying sweaty. That's all that matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a moth flying around my room right now. All right. Well, that'll do it for us this week. So let's get some final thoughts here. Dave Hastings. All, all I know is a week from today, we will be previewing the actual kickoff of the NFL season that is literally nine days away. Not mm -hmm. even. I mean, literally, honestly, nine days from right now, they will be kicking off in Tampa Bay. Mm. Hey, I I should have brought this up earlier. Can I tell you guys the fantasy team I drafted and you tell me how bad it sucks? I'll give you a grade. I'll give you that. Uh, yeah, I want uh, a grade yeah, from... We'll give you a quick grade. We'll I want a grade from both you guys, actually. I want a grade from both you guys. Tell me how I did. All right. And I'll be quick on this. All right, my quarterbacks are Matt Stafford and Baker Mayfield. 
Running backs are Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Sony Michelle, who I think is going to do very well on the Rams, and Melvin Gordon. Wide receivers, Adam Thielen, Chris Godwin, Michael Gallup. Um, I wasn't paying attention, apparently. I was doing something else while I was doing the draft. I accidentally picked Michael Thomas, so I had to pick A.J. Green off the waiver wire. And I got Jalen Rager from the Philadelphia Eagles. And my tight ends are George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski, defensive Ravens, and the kicker is Chase McLaughlin. What do you guys think? C plus. Yeah, that's about right. Dave, your your, your tight ends really saved you. Yeah, yeah, that's your, your, your tight ends really saved you. Mm. I'm higher on Kamara than I think Eric is. I don't know about you, Dave, but I think Kamara is still going to have a good year. I love Kamara. Uh, mm. I, your, your your tight ends are, are what made the big difference, though. No, no yeah, about it. I can see that. I'm. Well, I think you it. Yeah, I don't think I heard a grade from you, Dave. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm like right in that C plus uh, B minus window. Okay, so that means I'm going to finish in last place again. All right, cool. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate that. Uh, it's kind of what I thought, though, so I'm not getting on you guys. I'm just saying, all right, this confirmation for what I thought. I feel I, like you're more of like an eighth place finisher as like a guy who has a chance to sneak in to like the last playoff spot, that like sixth slot, but... You just are on the outside looking in after the last week. Mm. I had the second pick in the draft. You went Kamara too? You went Kamara too? Did we lose him? Yeah, we might have lost. All right. It sounds like Kamara went too. Oh, I cut out. Oh, okay. You guys didn't hear what I said. If we had, I had the second pick in the draft. So if we have the choice between the second pick in the draft and the tenth pick in the draft, can we all agree we'd rather have the tenth pick in the draft? No, depends. Who was picked one? Who was taken? McCaffrey. One? Okay, so I, I don't know. To me, I would have went Cook too. Well, that was the choice. I chose Kamara because I like I like a guy who's a who's good in the receiving game and the running game. That's why I chose Kamara. Cook's good in both too, if I'm not mistaken. But that's just isn't Kamara better though. I'm under the impression Kamara's better. But Kamara doesn't have Breeze there throwing the ball, so don't you figure they're going to stack the box a little more on him? Kirk Cousins is really that much better than Jameson Winston or Taysom Hill. I don't know, Dave. What do you think? Yeah, I would. I would definitely say he's better than both of them. And this this is why I haven't been any good in fantasy sports the last seven years. I guess. All right. <laughs> anyway, all right, Dave. Thank you very much, Eric Tressler. Final thoughts. Stay sweaty, guys. Till next week. Uh, yeah. Stay sweaty, my friend. Yes. All right. That'll do it for us here tonight. Thank you, everybody, for listening on all our various podcasting outlets. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. I am Mike Aglioloro. Thank you to Larry Schmelrose, cousin David, for joining us as well. And we will see you all next week.